0: This is Vince McCauley. This is Coach Creon of the Surrey Scorchers. This is Scott Melvin, CEO and co-founder of Buzz16. This
1: is Rodney Glasgow for the Sheffield Sharks.
2: This is Kennedy Leonard from the London Lions.
0: And you're
1: now listening. And you're
0: listening. And you're listening. And you're listening. To the BBL Show. To the BBL Show. To the BBL Show. To
2: the BBL Show. The BBL show. Enjoy the BBL Show.
0: Welcome to episode 11 of the Summer Road Trip here at the BBL Show. I am Jay Marriott. He is Drew Lasker. This week, Mr. Lasker goes one-on-one with Commonwealth gold medal-winning coach Julius Joseph, as well as us catching up on the madness of the British Basketball League. How are you, sir?
1: I'm feeling good, Jay. I mean, I'm back in my home You know, traveling is fun. Vacation is fun. But like they say, there's no place at home. And I just have to remind our listeners of the commitment of you and I, because we've been all over the place this summer. But literally, as you guys say in the UK, not literally, as I say, but literally, I just rode into town off of international flight today. You just literally pulled into Plymouth 30 minutes ago. But that's what we do, man. We commit to you guys. But then the last part of it, is i'm happy to see your face man i haven't seen your face in a month because we've been missing they've been talking about yep. it on the socials well our producer has been you know he's big-timed us he's johnny big-timed us he's been with the uh the euros Lionesses, with the ladies yep. capturing that so you know so but he's back so we're back so it's good to see your I face know. great man. to be
0: back in the room and as i said like uh i did see that penalty from johnny as well on the socials so uh Good man for sticking one (laughs) in the back of the net. Anyway, before I jump into the Marriott Minute, just I I wasn't able to be there for the Julius Joseph interview, which I was really sad about. I was hoping to catch up with him. We have both spent some time playing with him. So I just wanted to like kind of pick your brains. For those of the listeners that have no idea who Julius Joseph is or only knows Julius Joseph as the guy on the three-on-three circuit – Let's give him a little bit of background from our perspective.
1: Good call, Jay, because a lot of times when, not I'll say most of the time when you retire, when players retire, people quickly forget about the talent of that coach or that GM or whatever they transition to. And Julius Joseph, when I first came in the league in 2005, 2006, he played for the Scottish Rocks. He finished third or fourth in the MVP voting. I just looked it up earlier today, actually above Rob Yanders, who we both know Rob Yanders was a baller. So that tells you how good Julius was. He averaged like 18 points that year. He was solid, man. He kind of has an, a bot. Well, he kind of have a body like a Tiba lions, so he can get you down low, post you up, back you down, but what separated him from a you know, he could play on a perimeter. He could shoot and he was a scorer as well. So, Straight up ball. Yeah,
0: unreal player. I had the pleasure of going on a tour to China with him. And uh, we we played against, we played like multiple games against the same team, but in loads of different (laughs) areas of that same province. And my memory of Julius Joseph is two nights in a row, he hit the game winner. So one thing that I say about Julius Joseph is he has absolute ice in his veins. And like I said, he was one of my favorite players. Like when we were on that tour, I was really delighted to get to play with him. So I just wanted to bring that up because, like you said, we know him as the coach now. Congratulations, coach. But also, the guy could play. Anyway, hell of a a player. player. Let's get a roundup of all the recent BBL action. There's been a lot. It's your social media spy, it's the Marriott Minutes. Okay, it's gold for England, three-on-three men and silver for three-on-three women with BBL and WBBL representatives in each and led by our guest today, Coach Julius Joseph. Game winner in Birmingham, hometown boy Miles Hessen hits the winning three for an incredible reaction from the crowd. And once again, a reminder... To everybody in the UK, just how good basketball is. Our main man, Sheffield Sharks legend Mike Tuck, has decided to retire from playing. We salute you, Mike. Unbelievable career and servant of the BBL, and hopefully catch up with you soon. BBL signings madness. Let's have a look. London Lions stockpile their treasure with former NBA player Sam Decker on board, with British stars Luke Nelson and Tarek Phillips all join in an all-star team that's building in the capital as well as a four-year deal for Bradley Caboza. Ben Mockford, American import Javion Hamlet and none other than the legend himself, Darius Defoe, are in at the Newcastle Eagles. Corey Samuels, Jelani Watson-Gale and VJ King in at Bristol Flyers with the sad news that Rafael Thomas Edwards will depart. Glasgow signed Jeremiah Bailey and David Sloan. Cheshire Phoenix signed Tajai Teague. And finally, Sharks signed big man Javion Ogan Yemi. And let's end with the confirmation we all needed from two times MVP, General Gino Crandell, as he walked away misty eyed, knowing he wouldn't be working again with me this season. Tweeting, thanks, Jay. It definitely hurts knowing I won't be around to host next year's end of season live show. It's okay, Gino. We'll meet again. And that's this week's Marriott Minute. I'm always watching.
1: Man, I mean, I don't understand this little relationship that you and Gino has. I saw the tweet. I didn't get a reply from my tweet that I tweeted, gave him his flowers. So y'all must got a little thing going on there, man. I'm I'm a little bit jealous.
0: we had chemistry, you know, at the time you were selfishly trying to win some more silverware, you know, so it it was me, not we, and, uh, you know, for one night only, uh, me and Gino had a magical moment, so. What can I say, brother? I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> well
1: you well you got your cake and ate it too because not only did you get the hang with Gino, the next day you was posing with me for the trophy. <laughs> so I see how you roll, Mr. Run, Marriott. Run, run. But uh, a lot of a, a lot of great stuff in that minute to cover. I mean, Ben Mockford, a Newcastle Eagle, you know, Caboza getting a four-year deal, which is excellent to see. We talked about it for so long, giving these Brits an opportunity, but not giving... They got to go out there and earn it. Mm -hmm. I see it a lot of times on Twitter. People are saying they got to get this or need to. No, you got to go out there and earn it. That kid has definitely earned it. Tariq Phillips, London just, oh, my goodness, this roster is just crazy. I mean, and we haven't even talked about the former Houston Rockets, Sam Decker. So just so much great stuff in that minute. But the hottest take of them all is the Mike Tuck story, him announcing his retirement, which I was really surprised by this. I'm not going to lie. I I was kind of throwing a curveball, just like everything else I've seen this summer. And so we want to spend this moment in hot takes giving our guy Mike Tuck his flowers. And I would say this to our listeners out there, earlier in Mike Tuck's career, because I got in the league before Mike Tuck, I couldn't stand the guy. (laughs) I thought he was cocky. I thought he was a cheat. You know, he give you those cheese shots, pushing the backs. He was one hell of a player. So he was, he, he, you know, to be a villain, you got to actually be pretty good, which he was. But then in 2018, my perspective totally changed. We actually became roommates during the Commonwealth Games, and uh, he was named captain. I was part of the leadership group, so we spent a lot of time together and got to see a different side of him. That maybe a lot of fans, especially Lester Ryder fans. <laughs> Have not gotten to see but hopefully as he's transitioned out of the game he becomes a nicer guy but just a very talented player you know the second act following his basketball career i have no doubt is going to be great he's already been named head of department of marketing for the sheffield sharks very clever guy um, he's a go-getter man he's a leader and um you know i love his mentality so really sad that i won't be able to see him on the floor again but I know which we've been talking about a lot about, you know, transitioning on. He's one guy that I'm not worried about.
0: Yeah, 100%. I mean, that's what I tweeted, you know, like the next the 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 next side of his career is is already been burning. You know, he's he's a like you said, he's a very intelligent guy. He's already thought about this. He he's already started those transitions. I think he's going to be very similar to yourself. You know, I think that uh, he will have a lot going on. He's going to he, he'll have his hands in a few things. You know, I think going back to a player like he's just one of those players that if he's on your team, he's that guy that you want to be on the team because he's going to protect you. He's going to be he doesn't mind being that guy. You know, he took a lot of pressure off a lot of good teams by being that guy, you know, so coming in there and taking those pressure off some of those star players. they had some of those americans you know were really able to perform with very little pressure on their shoulders whereas he had to perform night in night out with fans really at him you know like there were real fans that really did dislike mike tuck and he and he and he took that on but like i said if you were going to be his teammate you know i'm 100 sure that um they know how awesome of a guy he is um you know i remember him first coming into the league and um you know both him and Anthony Rowe actually so Anthony Rowe was in at Plymouth were, were you with us that year as well when when Mike Tuck came first came into the league or you came in a bit later on in that season I can't remember
1: yeah I think I joined you guys in December that year yeah
0: so and had come back I
1: think it was the year they had they had Cook on that team
0: that's that correct yeah so he so I, I remember Anthony obviously played against Mike and they both had a little bit of a tough time in the French league and 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 actually then they both were able to find really great homes in the BBL and like I said I th- I just think Mike found his home in Sheffield and you know what it's like when you feel comfortable you're the same like the best performances that you've had have been in places where you know you've been valued you felt safe you felt that you could you know you could really be yourself and that's what Mike Tucks done is found a home in Sheffield Sharks and um you know he probably has a lot to thank them for and and they have a hell of a lot to thank him for. So, um, you know, Mike, you've had a great career, so it's, it's, it's been great. And like I said, he, he's gonna, he's gonna go on to a lot of other things. He already is. He's doing the commentary, et cetera, et cetera. So this isn't the end of Mike Tuck. We'll see him again.
1: The interesting part of it is if I'm not mistaken, I think it might've been the playoff game that they were knocked out the first round, which was obviously in Sheffield and, you know, with the Sky Sports crew, we stay over and Mike Tuck joined us that evening for a beer. We had a, a very deep conversation about um, retirement, just everything. I mean, like I said, like we we were roommates for four weeks in the Commonwealth Games. And so, you know, from that perspective, it doesn't surprise me. It just surprised me because I saw the videos of him on Instagram, like training, and it looked like he was in prep mode, right? Mm. But the thing that I'm proud about of our our league, because obviously it's so much controversy going on about which direction is going, but there's one direction that we know without a shadow of a doubt that's going is opportunity. Right. I mean, think about how many guys over the course of your career, Jay, has been able to find that next thing for themselves within the league. Right. I had never seen it happen before I was able to do it. And now Mike Tuck and, and so you know, with him, you know, working for the marketing department for Sheffield and then what other opportunities come from a, a media standpoint, which I'm sure he's going to have his hands in. But, you know, it's not just him. It's other guys that's going to follow, which I'm really proud about that these legends in the game, you get to continue to see them after. Kind of how we see, you know, I don't really follow football that much, but I do I do watch a little bit of the the commentary and the, and the pundits and you see. Gary Neville and then the other guy that played for Manchester and then the guy that played for Man City, those guys were playing when I was playing. And now you you get to see them regularly on TV covering the league. And that's always been there for football, but it's never been there for our sport. So, you know, the BBL is in a great place. It's in a good spot.
0: Yeah, 100%. You know, I I know there's a lot of chatter about, you know, what's going on with London right now. And obviously Leicester's loss of Gino, like, uh, uh, you know, it would be really interesting to see how they manage that. And that you know that's really probably one of the only teams you know maybe Manchester the way they're tooling up you know looking like they might be able to take on this superpower and lots of people worried and talking about those sort of things but it's just the opportunities that that is creating you know by the men's and the women's leagues going into Europe it, it, it is giving us a bigger bigger reputation more opportunities and and as you said we need that like we need you guys as pundits in the game, like we need that, you know, that that's going to be what gives us the insight, you know, that's what a fan sometimes that is just craving to just understand what maybe the thinking is in that particular moment, you guys can relate, you know, because you were there a couple years ago, a year ago now for like, you know, that would be for Mike and stuff like that. You guys were all right there and, and, and playing in the league you know, right before it's kind of hopefully going on to even bigger and better things.
1: And that's women's as well. We must remember that last episode with Vince, he brought up lead right? as she just retired as well. So talking about opportunity and positions for her. So, you know, that's a great thing. That's what it's all about. You know, keeping these guys here, keeping them involved in our game in some capacity and Mike Tuck uh you know we love you brother we're gonna miss seeing you out there and we're gonna miss br- you bragging on yourself we'll never forget episode three when you came on here and threw jay and i a curveball <laughs> and chose yourself <laughs> U- uber confidence <laughs> yeah yeah so good luck to you in uh pastures new but let's move this show along to the last look back so we can get our guest julius joseph in the room In this episode of alaska look back i just give you a little bit of reminder of who julius joseph the player was as he began his career in 1996 for the westminster warriors earning himself a scholarship to georgia state university after a solid college career he turned pro suiting up for the manchester giants in 2000 he then took his talents to belgium after a solid season following a three-year stint he signed the Scottish Rocks in my rookie season in 2005, where they finished second with one hell of a squad that featured Jermaine Forbes and one of my favorites, Rob Yanders and company. With that, he earned himself a place in the 2006 Commonwealth team and brought home the bronze medal. We then linked up his teammates for the Guilford Heat in 2011, eventually wrapping up his career with the London Lions in 2014. In that year, he founded the Ball Out 3-on-3 Basketball Tournament, which ironically began a journey that had him named head coach of England's Commonwealth team. Now, he's a gold medalist, and it's a pleasure to get him on the show. And that is your Lasker Look Back.
0: Let's hear from Mr. Lasker going one-on-one with both our former teammates, Coach Julius Joseph gold medalist
1: coach julius joseph welcome to the bb thanks for having show, me much appreciated yeah i mean for those listeners that don't know we were obviously teammates there for guilford heat a long long time ago but um i'm actually you're in the uk i'm actually here in houston texas currently 5 a.m but The sacrifice to get in here with you was very important for Jay and I. We wanted to celebrate this huge moment for British basketball, but literally fresh off of it, just what's your initial emotions right now?
2: First off, it's a bit of, you know, it's unreal, you know, a little bit of disbelief in terms of what we, you know, managed to accomplish. Um, Obviously, we've never had a gold medal in English basketball ever, and, you know, for actually, for the guys to actually get it done and under the circumstances and the way it happened as well, it was all, it was so emotional and uh, pretty, uh, a, it was, you know, it was just to kind of realize like, you know, when I spoke to the guys multiple times, I was like, man, you guys, you got a gold medal around your necks. I mean, we, we did it, you know, just come to actually believe what we actually achieved. Yeah, for
1: me, obviously I didn't get an opportunity to watch it, but I followed everything on social media and I got to be part of the Commonwealth Games in 2018 where we, I I would think for the team that we had, we underachieved, but for yourself as a player, you participated in 2006 and brought back a bronze medal. Now you're a gold medal head coach. What's the difference in regards to the experience
2: and being a player and being a coach for these Commonwealth Um, Games? I think there's, you know, a little bit of a, You know, different pressures. As a player, you know, it's kind of nice. You just enjoy the experience. You know, you do what your coach tells you to do. You work hard. You train hard. You kind of follow instructions in that regard. And obviously, you do what you need to do individually. Um, As a coach, there's a lot more pressure on making sure you're leading the guys the right way, making sure they have all the information they need, making sure they're not overcoached at the same time. uh, Because, you know, I obviously spoke to some of the guys in terms of what went well and what went wrong. You know in the gulf coast um so it's important to obviously just to take every all the information i could on board to get these guys as best prepared as possible but not you know and you know ready to go but not you know thinking too much they're ready to actually play and just read and react in terms of and um, just understand the game so you know two real different um aspects of it from coaching to playing you know as a player you know you, You know, you enjoy things more. As a coach, uh, it was just, uh, you know, focused on the job at hand.
1: Yeah, and let's talk about the job at hand. Obviously, I'm watching this back uh, on Team England's Twitter and let's just talk about this final play. So Hessen is taking out the ball. He throws it in to another former teammate of mine, Orland Jackman. And it looks like the play was actually drawn up for Heston to come back off the screen to get the three ball. But knowing knowing OJ like we know, he's going to always <laughs> take that shot. He obviously misses the shot. Team Australia gets the offensive rebound and Johnson takes a fadeaway, heavy contested three, which rims in and out. And then going back to our guy, Juice, man, this is what he's known for. Offensive boards, keeps the possession alive, sacrifices his body, tips it out to Hessen, who then cans the open three to
2: win the game. Just talk that whole sequence. All right, so, you know, within this, you know, within 3x3, you got to keep things... Uh, it's all about the strategy of these, these dead ball plays. So we've got some really good dead ball plays. And I don't know if you've seen any, but we've thrown some alley oops to Kane Henry for an open dunk. Just, you know, if you execute something quickly, there's only three people on the floor. There's no help to help the helper, you know? So if you run certain plays, you can get open looks, especially if, you know, we've got athletic guys, the athletic guys we have. So we're all initiated from a kind of play where we throw a oop. We know teams start to scout us and they adjust. So then we've come up with a counter, and then we know teams start to scout that. So this was the third counter which they hadn't seen before, and where instead, Orlan's supposed to come off that screen and then pitch it back to Miles Hesson. But Orlan, you know, he's a gamer, and you know, at the same time, I mean, I spoke to the guys about this as well. I said, Orlan, you know, you're supposed to pass that ball back to Miles, right? He's like, well, you know, <laughs> it all worked out in the end. I was like, all right, cool, but that's what I love about. You know, Orlan, he's a gamer. He wanted to hit the game-winning shot. He's hit the game-winning shots for us before. Definitely. He wanted to take that shot for that gold medal. You know, I don't think it's hero ball. I think it's having the confidence and believing in himself to want to, you know, take that shot. Um, and then, obviously, you know, he managed to get tipped that ball out, which was huge. When Australia shot it, it went halfway in, sat on the rim, and then decided to come out. Um, the Australian coach, after I spoke to him, he's like, man, it's like the crowd just sucked that ball out the hoop. (laughs) I was like, yeah. I was like, yeah, sorry about that, man, but it's the game, isn't it? All and tipped it back to Miles. If you check the clip slowly, I mean, I've watched it a hundred times already now, as you can imagine. Miles catches the ball. He checks his feet first and then cans the free. I mean, to have the presence in mind to say, all right, let me see, check my feet as this guy's running at me for the game and then hit the free, that's a, you know, that's a, that's, you know, a guy with a lot of confidence and, you know, he led the team in his home country with all the pressure, with all the interviews you could imagine he had to do beforehand, being the Birmingham guy and he wanted the last shot. And even to the point, even he... Hadn't been having a great day, a game after that up to that point. He missed a lot of shots, a lot of gimmies. He was trying to, you know, force the issue a little bit, which is fine under a big, big stage like that, under a big game. And then to say, "All right, I'm still going to take this last shot." That guy's character is, you know, that's a that's it's a, a huge testament to what he, you know, he's done and what he's been able to achieve and the confidence he has. That's a, that's a grown man play right there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you couldn't script it any better. And going back to that shot by Australia, I watched it a couple of times this morning as well. It literally spun around the rim three or four times before it pops out. And then the ball gets into the the hometown hero's hand who knocks it down. And just talking about Miles Hesson, I mean, I remember him when he first started his career and then went over to Everton when I don't even think they won a game that year. And then just to see how his career is just really trajected upwards, you know, going from the BBL winless to then going to Germany third, fourth league to now, you know, he's, you know, the GB captain, I believe. And so it was amazing to see. But just for our fans out there and and for myself, who don't quite understand all the three on three rules. So at that particular time, uh, the score was 16-15 Australia up by one and it was overtime. So what is the exact rules in overtime or in general with three? So the game
2: is, you know, it's 10 minutes stopping clock or first to 21. So whichever comes first, but uh, if the clock runs out and the clock ran out when it was 15, it was tied at 15 apiece. So. Then it just goes to overtime, which is his first to two points. Not too clear, just the first to score two points. So Australia struck first. Oh, yeah, right. Australia struck first. They scored the first one. And then, uh, yeah, Miles hit the big two to to win the game.
1: So just talk about from, from your perspective as a coach, because... Growing up here in the States, I mean, three on three is all I did as a kid. And I'm not sure if you had a similar experience there in the UK, but I would not be able to say as much experience as I had planned three on three, I wouldn't necessarily know how to coach it. So when you got this job, leading these men I mean who did you who did you go to for advice how did you research and what was your kind of coaching education in regards to three-on-three so
2: initially you know the the thing about free 3x3 free free basketball is that I'd actually been running tournaments um after my retirement you know probably from or from before even I've been running 3x3 free free tournaments started off as young you know younger kids and I introduced adults and then we kind of got involved with the 3x3 World Tour, where we'd send teams out to play on the World Tour. And then, you know, from having that, you know, that was from 2014. So I had a really an early education on this whole 3x3 basketball before it was popular, before it was people really knew about it. Um, and it's something, you know, I studied over the years. Um, so that's why I kind of thought, you know what, I know a lot about this game because I've been watching it for so long on the World Tour because, you know, they've been playing it in, you know, in the rest of Europe for a very, very long time. So I've, you know, been following, you know, um, Deshaun Bullock and the Serbia teams and all, you know, these winning teams and just following all the pathways of this, you know, the world tour and learning so much. And, you know, I thought, all right, this is, you know, this is something I'd want to get behind, especially playing in the Commonwealth Games as well before. And in my knowledge and experience in 3x3 basketball, I said, you know, this is something I, you know, I could do.
1: And what was the process in regards to, to choosing a team? I mean, what would, just take us back into, obviously, the preparation of the, the team sheet of who you had to who, what which players you had at your disposal, and then how did
2: you go about choosing a team? What exactly were you looking for? So, in terms of looking for a team, you know, I was looking for, um, it, there was two ways you could have gone about it. It's either you kind of get, you know, it's a tweeners game, you know, an in-betweeners game, you know, a three-stroke four. You know, those guys I've got, they're yeah. all tweeners, you could kind of say, you know. Um, and you could you could either go with three tweeners and then a, a good strong guard. Or you could just go with four four kind of in-betweeners and, you know, just have that kind of height across the board. So the obviously the benefit of having a strong guard is that somebody that can, you know, make the decision in a pick and roll they have to be a great shooter. they have to be really physically strong to actually guard other people's bigs. Um, and then, you know, the benefit of having four guys like the guys that we had is that it's hard to plug holes in our defense. Um, you know, Miles, defensive-minded. Uh, Jamel Anderson, defensive player of the year or team of the year. And Kane Henry, defense, defense, defense. Um, and then when you've got guys that, three guys that... You know, I no disrespect to Orlan. He's a he's a scorer. He he wants the hoop, and he, you know, and he bought into it as well. So if you got four guys that could play defense and want to play defense, and you got four guys that can all shoot the ball, uh, it's a tough team to stop.
1: Absolutely. So obviously, you went down the route of choosing four four tweeners and, and guys that look like they're almost the same exact size. And and so when this team was finalized, what were the real Goals that you guys had set for yourselves or expectations going into these games?
2: So the expectations was that we needed to medal. Again, I'm like, okay, well, you know, we're expected to medal, but um, the pathway isn't quite straightforward because you've got Canada, you've got New Zealand, you've got Australia, you've got Scotland, you know, amongst other teams, and there's only, you know, three medals to go around. So... Um, that the expectations was that we needed to medal, but obviously by those standards, we're gonna have to beat one of those at least one of those teams to kind of get to that standpoint. Um and obviously we're just ecstatic that we overcome or more and you know went undefeated.
1: <laughs> yeah, so you set the goals, the standards where we just need to come out of these games of medals. So job done, you guys going into the championship gold medal game. So let's just rewind back 24 hours prior. going into this matchup with Australia. Just walk us through and what the
2: process was like the night before leading up to these games. So, um, you know, the night before, you know, the fact that they were in the gold medal game, you know, that was something to celebrate in itself. Obviously, job's not done at that point, but at the same time, look, you're going to get a silver or a gold medal. And that's, you know, we we wanted that and that was the objective and it's kind of come true. So, you got to appreciate every step along the way um so we kind of we, we sat around we I got some we got some caribbean food in had a nice little um team dinner and just talked about you know we need to get the job done um in their team house they they wrote up on the board it said team england gold Medalist 2022 that's what the goal was they wrote it on the board to say that's where we're going and that's what we're, we're going to we're trying to achieve um i spoke to the guys earlier about just how big it is to medal in the Commonwealth Games, and kind of how life changing it is in that regard, and you know what, it, what how special the achievement is, and how focused we need to be to achieve it. Um, and then, you know, it was a case of you know we had shoot around throughout um, in the afternoon, and it was against us preparing to play Australia. Difficult thing is we played them in a pre pre little pre games tournament, so we played them once there. We played them obviously in the pool stages. And now we got to play them for the third time and try to beat the same team three times, which, as you know, is very difficult to do. Um, guys know each other better. Is there a bit of complacency? I don't think the guys were complacent. The Australian guys just came out real tough and real physical and gave it everything they had. Um, so, the you know, the preparation was really key and just the guys focus and their mentality, you know, high character guys, and, you know, Kane Henry's a young, young fella and they, you know, they took him under his wing and really, you know, um, mentored him and, you know, sh- showed him how to behave and act and the hard work that he takes to succeed. And so let's
1: talk about the actual, you, you, you touched on it, that you guys... Face Australia a couple times, leading to the actual game. So, what was the preparation process? What did that look like? I mean, I, you know, being a coach myself, I understand the sacrifices that you have to make—the time away from your family. So, just how much time have you had to invest in this? You know, have you guys been out the country leading up to this games What has that looked like for yourself, and then for the
2: team? Yeah, so you know, Basketball England did a fantastic job of preparing us and putting on a you know, uh, itinerary of events and camps for us um, led by Steve Butnell, um, somebody that, you know, I played and meddled with at the Commonwealth Games. So we started off in Manchester. where We had a camp of, you know, the guys came in, about 12 guys, um, selected four to play in the Euro Cup. Uh, Mars wasn't available at that time because, you know, just through coming back from Japan and stuff. Um, so we had um, Andre Arasol with the other three guys playing, um, those guys bonded really, really well, and we in the Euro Cup we got all the way to the final. We lost on a last-second shot from Poland, which was just from near, you know, near the half-court. He just turned and threw it. It went in, and that was the game sort of thing. And but at the same time, you know, to lose like that in the final game and to beat we beat Spain, we beat Denmark, we beat um, a couple other countries as well. So we had some really good wins under our belt, which gave us a lot of confidence. Um, Then we went on to um, Serbia and we actually prepared and trained with the Serbian national team. Now, when you're talking about the GOATs of 3x3 basketball, it's those guys because they they just don't lose. They win everything. They play in World Cup, European Cup champions, like multiple years. These guys, I think they, they came second in the Olympics, but these guys, absolutely unbelievable. And to tell you about these guys and the blueprint of three x three basketball. Obviously, if you are around each other and you are playing three x three basketball, it's about that chemistry. They got they got eight guys that can all play on the national team. They live in the same small town, so you know, like wow. yeah, that's just like you go in the hoop with your boys every evening, but they all yeah. all represent the same the country and they can go. <laughs> you know what I mean? So their chemistry is undeniable. And when we was watching them play there were some moments where he was like, how do you know he was going to be there sort of thing? He threw it behind his head, <laughs> you know? And uh, I've been recording some of the clips cause I was like, if I don't record it, if I'm trying to explain it, they're not gonna, it's not gonna, you know, have the same effect. And these guys absolutely incredible. They taught us a lot. They taught us, they, they helped educate myself as well to the kind of next level and the little details that I missed. And that was quite valuable in my coach education, and obviously, we what we trained and worked out with them, so it helped develop um, our guys. But at the same guys, same time, we're not, we don't play the same way as the Serbians. We're more athletic. We um, we play a different style of basketball. So we take on board what they had and kind of implemented some things where it worked around us, but not everything was um, suited to our style of play. So it was just kind of a way to figure out. What works for us and what didn't. Um, then, after Serbia went to France, played, um, and then the tournament in France played some really good competition. Um, we beat uh, a French team. We lost to a French team out there. We, we lost to the USA team. Um, we beat um, a couple other countries as well. There was, yeah, there was a lot going on out there. So, we played a good few games. So, again, that was a huge part of our preparation. Um, there, it was, and you know, Losing is quite a good thing as well. You know, if you just start winning every game, you, you're not really going to learn and take on board and be like, oh, we need to do this better. We need to do that better. So having our, our hiccups along the way on the journey to make it a journey and make it give us a bit of adversity, you know, definitely help prepare the guys going forward. Um, and then, you know, the guys just kind of, they bought into it because as a five-on-five player, there's a lot you can't do in 3x3. Just simply, all right. I'm going to beat my person and go to the basket. Well, if you try to do that and they bump you off balance once you jumped in the air, you're going to take some crazy off balance shot. Referee ain't calling a foul. It's going to make you look like a muppet, you know. So it's a lot of you know changes and style of play and stuff, which um, which is really different. The guys are probably going to start playing five on five and foul everybody (laughs) because because that's kind of how the game is you know it's really physical the referees you know not calling much but um the journey was just you know and the preparations what kind of bonded these guys together and created a a brotherhood so to speak so yeah just really appreciate it all
1: and let's talk about the trickle down effect i'm not sure how much you follow the bbl and let me remind our viewers that julius joseph was one hell of a player um, you, you have to remind because, you know, fans, they forget really quickly of former players. And so now I feel like in my 17 years being involved with the league that there has never been this much momentum surrounding the British Basketball League. And I read a quote here from Sport England CEO that says it's critical that when the games come to an end, that it doesn't feel like the end, but the beginning of the opportunities for local people to get active and play sports. So. Now that we got that medal that you guys were seeking and a gold medal with that, how do you think that impacts British basketball moving forward?
2: So for one thing, you know, it's got to create more awareness on, you know, on on TVs for, you know, people seeing what we're doing as exciting as the men's and the women's game was, I don't know if there's any other sport, me speaking biasly, that was as exciting as those games. I mean, personally, I could handle it watching it. It was it was a struggle. So, and, but as a fan and you're watching that and you're like, oh, how close it was to winning and losing. And even, in, you know, both the games is a tremendous testament to, to basketball. And we just need to get a little bit more, you know, it has to be more awareness on TV, you know, no disrespect to all the other sports. But every time I turn the TV on, I'm seeing bowls or I'm seeing swimming or I'm seeing something else. I'm like, yeah, that's all well and good, but what we just did now, you know, if we wasn't winning, all right, we don't need to be on the TV. But now we, we won, it needs to be on TV. We need to be on the breakfast shows. We need, the, you know, that kind of stuff to start taking place Facts. just to increase the awareness of what we're doing. <laughs> and then, you know, obviously following that, you know, um, inspiring the next generation now, you know, that, that win on, and, you know, that, you know, it's a historic win for British basketball for english basketball and you know they it now needs to be used to inspire a next generation you know create a legacy um which obviously it's gonna it's about finding the right resources and then also what's the next steps for the free x free program what's going to happen now we've just mm-hmm. proven that we can win with you know a couple you know we started we did something last year but then we got together for the last three months and did what we did won an olympic gold so now, what? What you know? Now we need to look at the next steps in terms of all right. Let's keep this going because after a Commonwealth Gold, we can you know let's try get an Olympic Gold. How about that? Again, we we were teammates and for Guilford Heat. It feels like many
1: many moons ago, and then you retired a couple years after. And how was that transition
2: for you as a player going into everything that you do now? I mean, for myself, it it was it was okay. You know, I still played just for fitness and fun and you know some players need that status i play professionally you know i'm this Mm -hmm. guy i'm that guy i didn't really really need it so i didn't really miss miss it when it wasn't there you know um i had a you know i played um 14 years of professional basketball i played on the national team for 10 years um you know the people that need to know know yeah. You know? Um <laughs> so you know, I, and you know, after that it was just a case of um the sports development side of it, running these tournaments, getting involved in this free X3 basketball and just kind of taking, you know, the next step in terms of giving back to, you know, the next generation and you know, with um just the young people. Obviously they need they need it. And basketball's done so much for me and my life, it's time to, to give back any you know, in the ways that I can. And speaking of giving back, what's next for you? So, actually, um, this or well, on the thirteenth and fourteenth of August, um, we run a you know, we're running our ball out three x three finals. So, if there wasn't no ball out three x three, I'm not sure if I would be here doing you know coaching. I'm not sure how far along bask three x three basketball would be in this country because um, obviously I've been you know p- pioneering three x three basketball over the last eight years. You know, last year we had a tournament with three thousand participants. This year we've probably got about twenty seven hundred participants, so it's kind of world spread. Um and you know, the next step is to kind of look at all right, let's look at this 3x3 development plan and what steps can be put in place. Um obviously there are definitely conversations to be had because the players that we used are five-on-five five players. That's their salary. That's their job. They're going to be committed to those teams over those years. But, okay, well, what strategy can we use and who would want to kind of, and how, how can we reward these guys and make it financially, um, you know, rewarding enough for these guys to say, all right, let's do this 3x3 thing full-time because they are doing that in Europe. Players are doing it full-time. With really wow prize money yeah huge prize money and so why can't we do the same thing
1: wow well finally again we really appreciate you taking time out to join us on this show literally 48 hours after you know putting that metal around your neck and and just to close obviously i touched on it a little bit earlier in regards to my perspective, but obviously you have a much bigger perspective than I do in regards to the British Basketball League. The salary cap has been lifted and it's been really controversial in regards to where people think the league is going to go. Where do you think the league is today and
2: do you think it's in a good spot? I mean, it is a lot of you know, all these developments. It has made things very, very interesting, especially with, um, you know, London Lions signing such high profile players. Um if they could potentially get it to work and, you know, especially succeed in Europe, then obviously that would be good for the game. Um is what they're doing sustainable? That's the question. And what's the blueprint, you know, financially for this team three, four, five years down the line? If that's if that's all in place and they have a strategy and, you know, um know what's what the next steps will be, then you know, I think that would be fantastic for the league. Um but again, it's you know it's always been a case of is what what the are these clubs sustainable? If what they're doing sustainable, and then you know a lot of issues have arisen through some clubs just not being able to sustain and get the money in that they need. I think maybe you know it's got to be TV rights, you know, once sp- bigger sponsorship deals potentially, um, because crowd revenue can only pay for so much. So you know the BBL is in a bit of a Kind of a, a, a changing phase, obviously with the salary cap changing now and bringing you know these the London lines having the you know stacking up and getting NBA class talent in. Um, It'll be interesting to see how that kind of develops and pans out.
1: Yeah, well, it's gonna be definitely interesting to follow, interesting to cover, and we will see. Only time will tell where all this goes, and I'm really hopeful. I'm I'm trying to be optimistic because I want to see the league take it to that next level where there's, you know, guys like yourself who are British are able to make a proper career plan basketball and then being able to transition to other things. And so, uh, let's see, but you know, we really appreciate your time coach and, um, Jay couldn't be here with us this morning due to other commitments, but I know it's early here in the U.S., but this was really important, Jay and I, when we talked about making sure that we gave you guys your flowers, gave you guys your just-do, and made sure that we gave you guys your moment to celebrate your success. So we're proud of you, proud of the team and
2: everything, and you guys that represent us very well. Man, thank you so much for having me. It's, you know, it's been a pleasure, and, um, you know, I'm just really proud of the guys and, you know, just what they managed to put together um and yeah it's, it's just a proud moment for myself as well just kind of helping helping and shaping these guys and you know looking forward to the next chapter of 3x3 basketball and you know the benefits it's going to bring to to the game across the country
1: absolutely coach well we will be following your progress moving on from here but guys as we get ready to gear up for the season a couple of weeks away from players starting to Get back to the UK. I know I'm headed back to the UK soon, but you know you can find us here same time, same place here on the show.
0: Thanks for listening to the BBO show. The BBO show is a 21 media original podcast produced by Corey Mallory with your host Jay Marriott and Drew Lasker. Keep up to date with the show by following the BBO on Twitter facebook and instagram where you can find details on future episodes events and fan interaction until next time